All right, that day. This is part two. I advise y'all to go back there and listen to part one before you listen to this part two. Because I don't want y'all to get the gist of the whole thing here is what I'm talking about, okay? Let's get into part two. The theory was popularized in the early 1990s by Police Chief William J. Bratton and New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Building upon these earlier models, intelligence-led policing has also become an important strategy. Intelligence-led policing and problem-oriented policing are complementary strategies, both of which involve systematic use of information. Although it still lacks a universally accepted definition, the crux of intelligence-led policing is an emphasis on the collection and analysis of information to guide police operations, rather than the reverse. A related development is evidence-based policing. In a similar vein to evidence-based policy, evidence-based policing is the use of controlled experiments to find which methods of policing are more effective. Leading advocates of evidence-based policing include the criminologist Lawrence W. Sherman and philanthropist Jerry Lee. Findings from controlled experiments include the Minneapolis domestic violence experiment, evidence that patrols deter crime if they are concentrated in crime hotspots and that restricting police powers to shoot suspects does not cause an increase in crime or violence against police officers. Use of experiments to assess the usefulness of strategies has been endorsed by many police services and institutions, including the U.S. Police Foundation and the U.K. College of Policing. Power Restrictions In many nations, criminal procedure law has been developed to regulate officers' discretion, so that they do not arbitrarily or unjustly exercise their powers of arrest, search, and seizure, and use of force. In the United States, Miranda v. Arizona led to the widespread use of Miranda warnings or constitutional warnings. In Miranda the court created safeguards against self-incriminating statements made after an arrest. The court held that the prosecution may not use statements, whether exculpatory or inculpatory, stemming from questioning initiated by law enforcement officers after a person has been taken into custody or otherwise deprived of his freedom of action in any significant way, unless it demonstrates the use of procedural safeguards effective to secure the Fifth Amendment's privilege against self-incrimination. Police in the United States are also prohibited from holding criminal suspects for more than a reasonable amount of time, usually 24 to 48 hours, before arraignment, using torture, abuse or physical threats to extract confessions, using excessive force to effect an arrest, and searching suspects' bodies or their homes without a warrant obtained upon a showing of probable cause. The four exceptions to the constitutional requirement of a search warrant are Consent Search incident to arrest Motor vehicle searches Exigent circumstances In Terry v. Ohio, 1968, the court divided seizure into two parts, the investigatory stop and arrest. The court further held that during an investigatory stop a police officer's search confined to what is minimally necessary to determine whether is armed, and the intrusion, which made for the sole purpose of protecting himself and others nearby, confined to ascertaining the presence of weapons, U.S. Supreme Court. Before Terry, every police encounter constituted an arrest, giving the police officer the full range of search authority. Search authority during a Terry stop, investigatory stop, is limited to weapons only. Using deception for confessions is permitted, but not coercion. There are exceptions or exigent circumstances such as an articulated need to disarm a suspect or searching a suspect who has already been arrested, search incident to an arrest. The Posse Comitatus Act severely restricts the use of the military for police activity, giving added importance to police SWAT units. British police officers are governed by similar rules, such as those introduced to England and Wales under the Police and Criminal Evidence Act 1984, PACE, but generally have greater powers. They may, for example, legally search any suspect who has been arrested, or their vehicles, home, or business premises, without a warrant, and may seize anything they find in a search as evidence. All police officers in the United Kingdom, whatever their actual rank, are constables in terms of their legal position. This means that a newly appointed constable has the same arrest powers as a chief constable or commissioner. However, 
certain higher ranks have additional powers to authorize certain aspects of police operations, such as a power to authorize a search of a suspect's house, section 18 pace in England and Wales, by an officer of the rank of inspector, or the power to authorize a suspect's detention beyond 24 hours by a superintendent. Conduct, accountability and public confidence. Police services commonly include units for investigating crimes committed by the police themselves. These units are typically called Inspectorate General, or in the U.S., Internal Affairs. In some countries separate organizations outside the police exist for such purposes, such as the British Independent Office for Police Conduct. However, due to American laws around qualified immunity, it has become increasingly difficult to investigate and charge police misconduct and crimes. Likewise, some state and local jurisdictions, for example, Springfield, Illinois have similar outside review organizations. The Police Service of Northern Ireland is investigated by the Police Ombudsman for Northern Ireland, an external agency set up as a result of the Patent Report into Policing the Province. In the Republic of Ireland the Garda Siachana is investigated by the Garda Siachana Ombudsman Commission, an independent commission that replaced the Garda Complaints Board in May 2007. The Special Investigations Unit of Ontario, Canada, is one of only a few civilian agencies around the world responsible for investigating circumstances involving police and civilians that have resulted in a death, serious injury, or allegations of sexual assault. The agency has made allegations of insufficient cooperation from various police services hindering their investigations. In Hong Kong, any allegations of corruption within the police will be investigated by the Independent Commission Against Corruption and the Independent Police Complaints Council, two agencies which are independent of the police force. Due to a long-term decline in public confidence for law enforcement in the United States, body cameras worn by police officers are under consideration. Use of force. Police forces also find themselves under criticism for their use of force, particularly deadly force. Specifically, tension increases when a police officer of one ethnic group harms or kills a suspect of another one citation needed in the United States, such events occasionally spark protests and accusations of racism against police and allegations that police departments practice racial profiling. In the United States since the 1960s, concern over such issues has increasingly weighed upon law enforcement agencies, courts and legislatures at every level of government. Incidents such as the 1965 Watts riots, the videotaped 1991 beating by Los Angeles police officers of Rodney King, and the riot following their acquittal have been suggested by some people to be evidence that U.S. police are dangerously lacking in appropriate controls. The fact that this trend has occurred contemporaneously with the rise of the civil rights movement, the war on drugs, and a precipitous rise in violent crime from the 1960s to the 1990s has made questions surrounding the role, administration, and scope of police authority increasingly complicated. Police departments and the local governments that oversee them in some jurisdictions have attempted to mitigate some of these issues through community outreach programs and community policing to make the police more accessible to the concerns of local communities, by working to increase hiring diversity, by updating training of police in their responsibilities to the community and under the law, and by increased oversight within the department or by civilian commissions. In cases in which such measures have been lacking or absent, civil lawsuits have been brought by the United States Department of Justice against local law enforcement agencies, authorized under the 1994 Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act. This has compelled local departments to make organizational changes, enter into consent decree settlements to adopt such measures, and submit to oversight by the Justice Department. In May 2020, a global movement to increase scrutiny on police violence and defund militarization efforts grew in popularity starting in Minneapolis, Minnesota with the killing of George Floyd. Calls for full defunding of the police and abolition of the police gained larger support as more criticized systemic racism in policing. Protection of individuals. Since 1855, the Supreme Court of the United States has consistently ruled that law enforcement officers have no duty to protect any individual, despite the motto protect and serve. Their duty is to enforce the law in general. 
The first such case was in 1855. The most recent in 2005, Castle Rock v. Gonzalez. In contrast, the police are entitled to protect private rights in some jurisdictions. To ensure that the police would not interfere in the regular competencies of the courts of law, some police acts require that the police may only interfere in such cases where protection from courts cannot be obtained in time, and where, without interference of the police, the realization of the private right would be impeded. This would, for example, allow police to establish a restaurant guest's identity and forward it to the innkeeper in a case where the guest cannot pay the bill at nighttime because his wallet had just been stolen from the restaurant table. In addition, there are federal law enforcement agencies in the United States whose mission includes providing protection for executives such as the president and accompanying family members, visiting foreign dignitaries, and other high-ranking individuals. Such agencies include the U.S. Secret Service and the U.S. Park Police. By country, police forces are usually organized and funded by some level of government. The level of government responsible for policing varies from place to place, and may be at the national, regional, or local level. Some countries have police forces that serve the same territory, with their jurisdiction depending on the type of crime or other circumstances. Other countries, such as Austria, Chile, Israel, New Zealand, the Philippines, South Africa, and Sweden, have a single national police force. In some places with multiple national police forces, one common arrangement is to have a civilian police force and a paramilitary gendarmerie, such as the Police Nationale and National Gendarmerie in France. The French policing system spread to other countries through the Napoleonic Wars and the French colonial empire. Another example is the Policia Nacional and Guardia Civil in Spain. In both France and Spain, the civilian force polices urban areas and the paramilitary force polices rural areas. Italy has a similar arrangement with the Policia di Stato and Carabinieri, though their jurisdictions overlap more. Some countries have separate agencies for uniformed police and detectives, such as the military police and civil police in Brazil and the Carabineros and Investigations Police in Chile. Other countries have subnational police forces, but for the most part their jurisdictions do not overlap. In many countries, especially federations, there may be two or more tiers of police force, each serving different levels of government and enforcing different subsets of the law. In Australia and Germany, the majority of policing is carried out by state, i.e. provincial, police forces, which are supplemented by a federal police force. Though not a federation, the United Kingdom has a similar arrangement, where policing is primarily the responsibility of a regional police force and specialist units exist at the national level. In Canada, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, RCMP, are the federal police, while municipalities can decide whether to run a local police service or to contract local policing duties to a larger one. Most urban areas have a local police service, while most rural areas contract it to the RCMP, or to the provincial police in Ontario and Quebec. The United States has a highly decentralized and fragmented system of law enforcement, with over 17,000 state and local law enforcement agencies 140 these agencies include local police, county law enforcement, often in the form of a sheriff's office, or county police, state police, and federal law enforcement agencies. Federal agencies, such as the FBI, only have jurisdiction over federal crimes or those that involve more than one state. Other federal agencies have jurisdiction over a specific type of crime. Examples include the Federal Protective Service, which patrols and protects government buildings, the Postal Police, which protect postal buildings, vehicles, and items, the Park Police, which protect national parks, and Amtrak Police, which patrol Amtrak stations and trains. There are also some government agencies that perform police functions in addition to other duties, such as the Coast Guard. Defund the Police Defund the Police, a phrase popularized by Black Lives Matter during the George Floyd protests. Defund the police is a slogan that supports divesting funds from police departments and reallocating them to non-policing forms of public safety and community support, 
such as social services, youth services, housing, education, healthcare, and other community resources. Activists who use the phrase may do so with varying intentions, some seek modest reductions, while others argue for full defunding as a step toward the abolition of contemporary police services. Activists that support the defunding of police departments often argue that investing in community programs could provide a better crime deterrent for communities, funds will go directly toward addressing social issues, like poverty, homelessness, and mental disorders. Police abolitionists call for replacing existing police forces with other systems of public safety, like housing, employment, community health, education, and other programs. In June 2020, the defund the police slogan gained widespread popularity during the George Floyd protests. Black Lives Matter, Movement for Black Lives, and other activists have used the phrase to call for police budget reductions and to delegate certain police responsibilities to other organizations in Black Reconstruction, first published in 1935, W.E.B. Dubois wrote about abolition democracy, which advocated for the removal of institutions that were rooted in racist and repressive practices, including prisons, convict leasing, and white police forces. In the 1960s, activists such as Angela Davis advocated for the defunding or abolition of police departments. The End of Policing, written by Alex S. Vital, was published in 2017, and it has been called, a manual of sorts for the defund movement. Some sociologists, criminologists, and journalists have criticized aspects of the police defunding movement. Police Abolition Movement Since the 1960s, municipal governments have increasingly spent larger portions of their budgets on law enforcement. This is partially rooted in the war on crime, launched by President Lyndon B. Johnson, which prioritized crime control via law enforcement and prisons. Meanwhile, police unions have wielded significant power in local politics, due to direct endorsements of political candidates and funding of campaigns. Police department budgets have been considered untouchable for decades. By 2020, U.S. cities collectively spent approximately $115 billion per year on policing. For many cities, policing is their largest or near-largest expenditure. For example, in Los Angeles in 2020, the LAPD budget constituted 17.6% of the city's budget, $1.86 billion out of a $10.5 billion budget, and 53.8% of the city's general funds, i.e., tax revenues that are not designated for special purposes. In Chicago in 2020, the CPD constituted about 18% of the city's budget and 40% of the city's general funds, $1.6 billion. In New York City in 2020, the NYPD budget constituted 5.7% of the city's budget, $5.9 billion out of a $97.8 billion budget, and it commanded the third largest budget, after the Department of Education and Social Services. In Oakland in 2018, 41.2% of general funds went to the Oakland Police Department. In Minneapolis, the budget for the police and corrections departments grew 41% between 2009 and 2019. Police department funds are primarily used for salaries, pensions, wages, and overtime of police officers. For example, in New York City, 88% of the police department budget goes to salaries, wages, and overtime. Other costs include contract costs, equipment operation expenses, and vehicle maintenance. While the officers per capita in major cities have not significantly changed, they have been equipped with more technology, gear, and training in the last few decades. On average, large cities spend about 7.8% of their general expenditures on policing. Meanwhile, they spend about 5% of general expenditures on housing and 3% of general expenditures on parks. Most cities' police budgets have dwarfed other public safety budgets, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic, which has seen other budgets slashed but left policing budgets largely untouched. Rationale Effectiveness The abandoned SPD East Precinct inside the police-free Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in the Capitol Hill neighborhood of Seattle. 
Police defunding and abolition activists argue that the police have a poor track record of resolving cases related to murder, rape, and domestic abuse. Racism. Critics argue that the history of policing is rooted in racist practices, including slave patrols, enforcement of Jim Crow laws, repression of the civil rights movement, such as the Selma to Montgomery marches, and the government's violent campaign against Black Panthers leaders, such as Fred Hampton. This can also be found in the statistical makeup of those who are arrested and stopped by the police. In 2015, a study found that African Americans are 2.7 times more likely to be arrested for drug violations than white Americans, even though both African Americans and white Americans have similar rates of drug use and possession. In Los Angeles, black drivers are nearly five times as likely to be searched at traffic stops as white drivers, according to a Los Angeles Times analysis. Furthermore, 40% of the U.S. prison population is black, despite being only 11% of the population. Unbundling of services. Critics argue that police officers and police departments provide too many services. According to this argument, the United States has an over-reliance on law enforcement, which is expected to handle an unrealistically wide range of social issues, such as homelessness, mental health, and substance abuse. This model may be asking too much of police departments, some police officers have publicly expressed that they feel tasked to do everything for everybody. Meanwhile, police officers are trained to adopt a warrior mentality, which focuses on officer safety over community outreach. For these reasons, some activists have called for an unbundling of services. Under this model, many services that were previously provided by law enforcement would be provided by specialized response teams. These teams could include social workers, emergency medical technicians, conflict resolution specialists, restorative justice teams, and other community-based professionals. Police officers may be particularly badly suited for some community issues, such as mental health crises. For example, one study found that about 21% of police officer time is spent responding to or transporting people with mental illness. However, one in four people who are killed by the police have severe mental illness. Some activists argue that, if someone is experiencing a mental health crisis, and if there is no emergent threat to themselves or other people, mental health professionals may be more adept and capable responders. Furthermore, if more funds were diverted to help treat and support those with mental health issues, there could be better outcomes. While the movement is rooted primarily in the work of left-wing scholar activists in the 1970s, it has support on the right from many libertarians, though they rarely use the slogan defund the police. Libertarians support the movement out of a concern for constitutional rights and a stance against what they consider far-reaching and ever-expanding powers given to state actors, particularly qualified immunities. Responses Social scientists According to Princeton sociologist Patrick Sharkey, the best scientific evidence available shows that police are effective in reducing violence. Those who argue that the police have no role in maintaining safe streets are arguing against lots of strong evidence. One of the most robust, most uncomfortable findings in criminology is that putting more officers on the street leads to less violent crime. We know this from randomized experiments involving hotspots policing and natural experiments in which more officers were brought to the streets because of something other than crime a shift in the terror alert level or the timing of a federal grant and violent crime fell. After the unrest around the deaths of Freddie Gray in Baltimore and Michael Brown in Ferguson, M.O., police officers stepped back from their duty to protect and serve, arrests for all kinds of low-level offenses dropped, and violence rose. This shouldn't be interpreted to mean that protests against violent policing lead to more violence, rather, it means that when police don't do their jobs, violence often results. Criminologists Justin Nix and Scott Wolf state in the Washington Post, we have enough research evidence to be concerned about the immediate impact of drastic budget cuts or wholesale disbanding of police agencies, crime and victimization will increase. They state that more people will arm themselves as a result, that the increased crime will disproportionately harm minority communities, and that cities that have more police officers per capita tend to have lower crime rates.
they argue for community-oriented policing which has been shown to reduce crime and improve community satisfaction. They further argue that police departments need to be held more accountable for their use of funds, suggesting more emphasis on evidence-based practices, and say that making the police responsible for so many social ills should be reconsidered, although stating the infrastructure to handle those should be in place before reallocating funds. Criminologist Kevin Robinson suggests that the slogan defund the police is misguided, and that a more appropriate term would be reallocation of portion-slash-segments of police department budgets. He states that most such budgets are tight, but says that a thorough review of spending is always warranted, and that program effectiveness should determine whether or not a program is continued. He says that criminals usually weigh the possibility of getting caught when committing a crime, and that if there is a low likelihood of apprehension there will be more crimes committed more people victimized. He further states that studies have shown, that effective social programs can reduce criminality in adults and juveniles, and encourages police departments to incorporate social programs with police work. Sociologist Rashawn Ray, writing for the Brookings Institution, states that much of what police do is misaligned with their skill set and training, and suggests that a reduction in their workload would increase their ability to solve violent crimes. He further states, One consistent finding in the social science literature is that if we really want to reduce crime, education equity and the establishment of a work infrastructure is the best approach. A study using 60 years of data found that an increase in funding for police did not significantly relate to a decrease in crime. Throwing more police on the street to solve a structural problem is one of the reasons why people are protesting in the streets. Defunding police reallocating funding away from police departments to other sectors of government may be more beneficial for reducing crime and police violence. Media Matthew Iglesias, writing in Vox, criticized police defunding and abolition activists for lacking a plan for how to deal with violent crime, and for ignoring the substantial literature finding that having more police leads to less violent crime. He stated that their dismissal of police reform ignores that even modest reforms have been shown to reduce police misconduct. He writes that across government as a whole, only a very small portion of spending goes to the police, and that while more social spending would probably reduce crime, that does not need to come out of police budgets, noting that the United States actually has 35% fewer police officers per capita than the rest of the world. He also states that abolishing public police services would lead to a surge in the use of private security services by those who can afford them, and that such services would lack accountability. The slogan's relation to the police abolition movement has been described as a Mott and Bailey fallacy by John Murawski at Real Clear Investigations. According to him, when defund the police is criticized as tantamount to police abolition by opponents, proponents provide a moderate interpretation in terms of police demilitarization until the criticisms are addressed, only to return to more radical interpretations later. Public Opinion A YouGov opinion poll with fieldwork on May 29-30, 2020 found that fewer than 20% of American adults supported funding cuts for policing, with little difference between supporters of the Republicans and Democrats. In a poll conducted by ABC News Ipsos of 686 participants on June 10th to 11th, 34% of U.S. adults supported the movement to defund the police and 64% opposed it. 70 support was higher among black Americans, 57%, than among whites, 26%, and Hispanics, 42%.70. A June 23rd to July 6th survey by Gallup found that 81% of African Americans wanted police to spend the same amount of time or more time in their neighborhoods, as did 86% of the sample as a whole. Politicians Presidential candidate Joe Biden opposed defunding police forces, arguing instead that policing needed substantial reform. U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders opposed defunding, arguing for more accountability for police, along with better education and training, and making their job better defined. U.S. Senator Cory Booker said he understood the sentiment behind the slogan but would not use it. U.S. Representative and Congressional Black Caucus Chair Karen Bass said, I do think that, in cities, in states, 
we need to look at how we are spending the resources and invest more in our communities. Maybe this is an opportunity to re-envision public safety. U.S. President Donald Trump on June 4, 2020, tweeted the radical left Democrats' new theme is defund the police. Remember that when you don't want crime, especially against you and your family. This is where Sleepy Joe is being dragged by the socialists. I am the complete opposite, more money for law enforcement. Hashtag LaWanderter. Cities. In 2020, local policymakers in Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., San Francisco, and other U.S. cities have supported some form of defunding or opposing budget increases. In New York City, a city council member called for a $1 billion divestment from the New York City Police Department. Activists and lawmakers asked Mayor Bill de Blasio in April 2020 to use cuts to the police budget to make up for shortfalls caused by the coronavirus pandemic. In June, during the Floyd protests, a group of 48 candidates for city office asked the city council to reduce the NYPD budget by $1 billion over four years. Brooklyn College's Policing and Social Justice Project called for the same reduction. City controller Scott Stringer said the city could save $1.1 billion over four years by cutting the numbers of police and reducing overtime and could divert the funds to social workers, counselors, community-based violence interrupters, and other trained professionals. On June 15, 2020, Police Commissioner Dermot Shea announced that the NYPD would eliminate its plainclothes police units in the precinct level and housing bureau anti-crime teams, and the officers would be reassigned to community policing and detective work. In Los Angeles, Mayor Eric Garcetti has said he would cut as much as $150 million from the Los Angeles Police Department's LAPD budget, a reversal of his planned increase of $120 million. Garcetti announced the funds would be redirected to community initiatives. In San Francisco, Mayor London Breed announced a plan to redirect some police funds to the city's African-American community, and she announced that police will no longer respond to non-criminal calls. In Milwaukee, an activist group called African-American Roundtable, formed by 65 organizations, asked the city to divert $75 million from the police budget to public health and housing. In Minneapolis, activist groups reclaimed the Block and Black Visions Collective requested for the police budget to be cut by $45 million. Members of the Minneapolis City Council signed a pledge to dismantle the police and create new public safety systems. City Council member Lisa Bender explained, Our commitment is to end policing as we know it and to recreate systems of public safety that actually keep us safe. While Mayor Jacob Frey has not stated a commitment to defund the police, the City Council has veto power over the mayor. No specific laws or plans have been offered by the City Council yet, as of June 2020, but advocacy groups have presented recommendations. In Nashville on June 2, 2020, a city budget hearing lasted over 10 hours to accommodate the large numbers of residents waiting to take their turn to ask the city to defund the police. In August 2020, the Austin City Council unanimously voted to cut $150 million, about one-third, from the Austin Police Department's budget. About $80 million of the cuts consists of moving several civilian functions from the police department to other parts of city government, and $50 million is for alternative forms of public safety. The other $20 million is to be reallocated to other city programs including violence prevention, abortion access, and food access. Police unions. U.S. police unions have historically resisted even minor reforms and accountability measures including resisting repeal of qualified immunity citation needed. The Los Angeles Police Protective League said defunding the police would be the quickest way to make our neighborhoods more dangerous and defunding the LAPD is the most irresponsible thing anyone can propose. Outside the United States. The movement has spread to other countries. In Canada, politicians in major cities have expressed interest in diverting some police funds. In Toronto, city councillors Josh Motlow and Kristen Wongtam have planned to propose a 10% cut to the police budget. In Montreal, Mayor Valerie Plant has said she is in talks about the police budget. In Scotland, 
a violence reduction unit was set up in 2005, which aims to prevent violence with educational and outreach programs. In Finland, homeless individuals are offered social services and permanent, stable housing. <laughs> All right, then. What y'all think about that? Police. We can just learn a little something about the police, the po-po. But let me tell y'all something here. At one time, the wild, wild west was wild. It was wild, out of control. People just doing anything that they want to do. You had homesteaders coming in there, and the people was robbing the city from the homesteader. It was just lawlessness. You know what solved that? What solved the lawlessness problems in the wild, wild west that tamed the wild, wild west? It was folks with a structure law that came in with a posse that had more guns than the criminals or the more outlaw cowboys. You see, Jesse James was robbing everybody, robbing stagecoaches, everything, trains, everything, until the law came in, a structure law that had more guns and more posse members than Jesse James and all the fellas who were doing all that crime. Now, y'all tell me that it was peaceful without having the law enforcement back then in the wild, wild west, where you had people that's trying to live a good life and do farming and stuff, agriculture, stuff like that, raise pigs and cows and cattle, trying to live a good, simple life. And then you got these criminals just coming in and taking anything they want, taking their horses, taking their, taking, taking, taking their wives, taking, taking their little gals a whole lot of times, too, without the law, without a structure. You telling me that's what y'all we want to go back to the wild wild west days, huh? That we want. Let me tell you. You know what? That, you know what that's like. You're sitting. You're sitting in your home without 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 the police. You're sitting in your home. You're sitting on your couch with your with your underwear down to your ankles, watching Pornhub. Well, allegedly watching Pornhub. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Allegedly, not that I watch Pornhub. Sometimes I do a little research, but I'm just gonna give you an example. You're sitting there, you watch your porn hood, right? You got your pants down to your, your underwear down to your ankle, and you're sitting there, <coughs> excuse me, you're sitting there and you enjoying them. And about six, about 10 seconds into the video, you're about to erupt like Mount St. Helen, and all of a sudden, some fool trying to break into your house or your back window. Now you gotta jump up for watching your good porn hood almost trip over the coffee table to try to go find your butcher knife or your gun to try to defend yourself. Now, my if if I'm just saying if now, if that was me in this situation, I would be highly upset. I would be highly upset because not because they're breaking into my house, it's because I'm about to explode like Mount St. Helen. You know how long it took me to find this video on Pornhub? I didn't click through 20 seconds of about eight videos to find this one gal here, and she's doing a great job. Now I got to get up, trip over the coffee table, underwear down to my doggone ankles to go find my stuff, try to defend myself. I can't call the police, but if I had the police, right, the police wasn't defunded, right, I can sit there, right, and I can say, Alexa, call the police to my address. And I'm going to sit here and enjoy my porn hub till they come. And when they come to the door, I'm going to come door with a smile. I'm going to say, hey, so I try to break into my house. See, that's law enforcement. That's what I love the police. Love the police. Now, let me tell you something. We're going to do another social experiment here. All right? Another social experiment we're going to do is what is you going to do without the police? Hmm? What are you going to do without the police? 
you hate the police so bad. See, this whole defund the police thing is used as a political tool now. See, nobody can't really define what do you mean by defund the police? Because see, you got Black Lives Matter from, I'm going to say, the corporate level, and you got the local Black Lives Matter folks, okay? Meaning the people that's in the community that's trying to organize. The whole thing with this Black Lives Matter is two different things that folks want. Only thing the folks in the community want is the police to stop shooting black folks. That's all. But like I told y'all, the police shoot a whole lot of white folks too. But we're going to talk about the black side because this is what gets more political attention these days with these politicians. I'm telling y'all, they're using racism and all this police stuff to perpetuate whatever their agenda is. Now, I'm going to say, I'm not going to say which political party, but I think y'all know which political party. And it ain't the party that's in office right now. Okay? Now, let me tell you something. The local Black Lives Matter folks, only thing they want is the police to stop shooting us without any cause. That's all. The big Black Lives Matter, they got a big agenda. They got a bigger agenda than that. See, they jumped on this bandwagon, right, with this police shooting, and they making this thing a bigger issue, right? Now, I heard this one little local guy in California, he say what we mean from, and, and this is I know there's two levels or multiple levels to Black Lives Matter, that they ain't talking the same language. Because he said, you know, there's a, there, 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 there's a, there's the umbrella of Black Lives Matter people started, which was a white lady, I think. Black Lives Matter, and he say we talking about the local level. He said, "Only thing we want is the police to stop shooting black folks." And he say, "What we mean by defund the police is not take all the money away from the police. We saying defund take some of that money away from the police and put it in, into in, uh, in, into 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 neighborhood programs, give it back to the people some kind of way in some type of training." And he made a lot of sense because the girl broke it down to me. The other girl who was winning. She, she said, look, in this one place in California, she said the police has a yearly budget of something like $100 million. She said, we're not saying take all that $100 million away from them. We're saying take $40 million away from the police. Why do they need $100 million a year, the police department? She said, we, we say take $40 million away from them and direct that fund in, into the community. And now she had a good point. Now she said the reason why they got all that money is because you have these legacy Police that's getting this all this retirement money. After 20 years, they can retire. And they retire with full pension. So the taxpayers are on the bill for that. So, and and we got nepotism in the police office, right? And you got people expiring at or uh, retiring at 20 years with full pension and all this money. That's why the budget is so high. Not so much because the hundred million dollars is being used every day, right, to protect and serve. Part of that money, a big portion of that money is being used on these pension funds. See, that's why they want to get rid of these 401ks, you see, and that's why they're talking about now looking at Social Security. I mean, that's why, they, I mean, they try to get rid of pension funds and put everybody on 401k. And see, now they're talking about Social Security, put Social Security on 401k, meaning getting Social Security out of the government's pocket and putting it on an open, uh, uh, volatile market like the stock market. I don't think that's good. But see, but that's why a lot of these funds go. Now, the way the young man explained to me, it made sense. Defund the police in the sense is not get rid of the police, not take all their money, but taking a portion of their budget and reallocate it. Now, if you do that, you make people physically responsible. See, the whole problem with this thing is it goes back to money. People don't have to be physically responsible, right, when they don't have no skin in the game. 
right? If a police got there and shoot somebody, right, and they know they, they're not going to be prosecuted, they don't have no skin in the game, right? And the and, uh, police departments and these local municipals, they, they don't have no skin in the game because they're paying out these doggone lawsuits with the taxpayers' money. Now, that don't make any sense that. Now, what do you think these tax these police officers, uh, managers, and, and 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 mayors would think if any time the police sued, sued somebody and that money, you know, came out of their budget, not the taxpayers' budget, out of their budget? If I'm gonna give you a hundred million dollars a year, if there's a police shooting like this and that police is found guilty, right? And now remember, in civil court, you don't have to be found guilty hundred percent, right? You had to be so he may get off on the charges, but the city is still going to be on the on the line in civil's court. So now, the, now in civil court, the city got to pay twenty million dollars to that family <clears throat> that this fool police officer shot. Right. So what if you tell the police? What did you say? And say, look, when y'all get this money here, when we get sued, this money, this twenty million dollars that we got to pay these people is coming out your hundred million dollar budget. Now that's what I mean by defund the police. This money is coming out your budget. The taxpayers ain't paying $20 million on top of the $100 million we're giving y'all every year. See, people got to ask it. When you make people physically accountable, you have a better social environment. Because people are, people are got to be accountable for their actions. If I goes out there and step on somebody's foot and they bust me in my mouth, then I can't say nothing about that because I got to be held accountable for that. Now, if I stepped on that man's foot by accident, the first thing need to come out of my mouth before he hauled off and hit me is that I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry stepping on your foot. But if I go out and step on that man's foot and I don't say anything and he look at me, haul off and hit me in my mouth, what am I going to get mad about? I'm not responsible. We got to start holding these people physically accountable. Not the police so much. The police managers, they supervisor. Like I'll tell you about that white boy in Arizona, they shot in the hotel, right? His super, the, the, the guy who shot him on his AR-15, the police or the SWAT team guy, he had written on his AR-15 something about killing somebody. On his AR, this, this is a SWAT team member. He was ready to kill somebody. He had his gun trained on that boy. And his supervisor was right there, barking out orders. And his supervisors, Right, let him kill that boy, that white boy. Let him kill that white boy, right? And the family didn't get nothing. And the, the guy who killed him didn't go to jail, and the supervisor didn't go to jail. But I think the feds is picking up that case. I think the feds is going to be prosecuting the supervisor because the supervisor should be held accountable, and that's how these city managers should be held accountable. These prosecutors should be being held held accountable when they put somebody in jail for all them doggone years for something they didn't do. That money, when the poor guy jails, that money should come should come out the prosecuting budget, not the citizens' budget. See, it's the whole thing when y'all got to look at defund the police. To me, now I'm giving y'all a solution, right? We start holding people accountable for what they do. Black, white, Chinese, Puerto Rican, whatever it is, you got to hold them accountable. Once you hold somebody's feet to the fire. And they feel the burn of that fire. They ain't gonna want to do it no more. Goes back to take some of that money out their pocket. But see, politicians pattern y'all. They want to keep all this racial tension going on. They want to keep you in an uproar. They want to keep you fighting. You know, they want to keep talking points in your face. They don't tell y'all about all the white folks that get killed by the police. They don't tell y'all about the Mexican, the brown people that get killed by the police. 
But they keep black folks in y'all face because they know black folks is easy to entice for a ride. And we buy into it. Buy into it. Now, here's another solution I got for y'all. Because y'all know I'm full of solutions. Because <laughs> like I can say, when I run for, I'm going to run for district. Or my municipality first. Then I'm going to run for mayor. And let me tell you something. When I run for mayor, hey, businesses, y'all come in. It's, it's over season. Give me, pay me some money. <laughs> I'll give y'all all the subsidies y'all need to build y'all factory. <laughs> hey, like all you about this thing, I'm getting my money. <laughs> and then I'm out of office. That bill can foot the bill. <laughs> I'll invest with y'all. But hey, you know, hey, I, I get it from my daddy. <laughs> but look, give y'all a solution here. This is how the police department should work. Along with being held physically and monetarily, physically, what I mean, physical, not physically, physical. Physical meaning their budget. And monetarily, they should be held accountable. That'll stop a whole lot of these violence shooting amongst anybody. White, black, Puerto Rican, Chinese, anything. It'll stop them people from being shooting. And the prosecutors should be held accountable when they falsely accuse that much should come out of their budget. And they should also get some time, too, in jail. You know, yeah, get these prosecutors some time in jail. You know what? I think in order to be a prosecutor, I think what you need to do is you need, as soon as you pass the bar and you get a job as a prosecutor, you need to spend time in jail as a guard or something. You need, you, you need to spend time in jail. You need to see how what it's like in jail is a place where you're going to be sending people to. You need to spend time there. You have better perspective. So that way when you're dealing with people, you're going to send the right people to jail. Now, I'm going to tell y'all, a whole lot of people need to go to jail. I'm going to tell you, a whole lot of people need to be taken out of the gene pool. I know people say that they ain't against that death penalty thing. I, I disagree. <clears throat> if a person is found guilty 100% of a crime, they need to be taken out of the gene pool. I don't want to live around that person. Cause see, I'm scary. I'm a scary. I'm I'm a, I'm a coward. And y'all know ain't nothing scary to deal with than a coward. Cause a coward will hurt you. Cause see, he's scared like me. <laughs> but let me tell you something. Here's a, here's another solution that I think we should explore when we're talking about policing. Okay, I'm gonna give y'all a little scenario here. Because this thing about judged by your peers only applies. Now I gotta say this, cause this is this is right. It only applies when you're dealing with white folks. When you're dealing with a when you're dealing with a jury of your peers. Back a long time ago, when black folks went to court, now this is the truth. It wasn't no black folks on the jury. It was all white folks prosecuting black folks because they said that a black jury couldn't wouldn't prosecute a black person. But they want to tell you that it's a it's a jury of their peers. That's not right. That's saying that black folks are incapable of being non-biased. But that's not, a that's not a jury of your peers. Let me tell you something, another thing. You had less crime in these communities when the people that was patrolling those communities looked like the people in those communities. Now, y'all will look at the statistics. When they start bringing, uh, bring, bring, bringing uh, white cops who live not in the black community, but to the black community. That's when all these racial tensions start going up in these communities. But y'all ain't know about this because it ain't have, didn't have Google. It didn't have Amazon, Samsung, iPhone. It had none of this stuff back there. So y'all ain't know about it. So y'all think all this stuff, oh, all this stuff is new to these young folks today. These young folks today just kills me. They think everything's so brand new. Oh, oh, this is brand new. Oh, this is, ain't nothing brand new. 
Y'all just don't do y'all a little research. Y'all get out here like cockroaches with a light turn on. You know, cockroaches with a little light turn on. So it's like turn on cockroach just run. He ain't got no brain. He ain't analyzing nothing. He just black come on, boom, cockroaches spread. They just take off. That's how we did with, 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 with this information today. You gotta stop and think ain't nothing new on the sun. But you gotta you gotta look at this thing and find a way how to deal with it. Like I'll tell you the scenario here. What if you took black police officers and put them into white communities to patrol? Okay, like 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 they do black folks. All these white police officers don't live in these black communities or patrol these black communities. Who better knows the community than the people who live in the community? Hmm. Because they have a better relationship because they know Pookie on the corner. Matter of fact, they know Pookie on the corner mama. They know Pookie on the corner grandmama. They can deal with Pookie when, when something happens. They walk up to Pookie and say, hey, Pookie, what's going on, man? And Pookie, oh, officers, gentlemen, is a, see what I'm saying? They have a, a rapport. That's what you call de-escalation. But when you have a person who lives in the suburbs somewhere coming into a community, and even if the community is a Hispanic community, but see, in Hispanic communities, right, they have Hispanic policemen patrolling in Hispanic communities because they can speak Spanish. You see what I'm saying? They have a mixture, right? But see, in the, in the black community, you bring these cough officers who are not even from the community to try to patrol, who has no relationship who don't give a dang about the people that they looking at because I, when I go home, I ain't got to deal with you when I go home. When I get off work, I head straight to the police bar. We get drunk, and I drive home drunk to my house in the suburbs. If I get pulled over, I just show them my bed and let me go. You see what I'm saying? Y'all, this is what I'm saying? But you put, black back in the day, you put black police officers who live in that community to patrol that community. That's when all this stuff started. When people controlling the community don't know the people in the community. I was watching a show on TV. I like that show in England. Can't pay, they take it away. That's a great show. You see these British policemen, they don't have no gun. They walk into a house and no open door telling people, look, we come in here to take all your stuff out your house because you ain't or you ain't paid this bill that you owe to this creditor. This creditor say you owe $10,000. If you don't have that money today, we gonna we gonna catalog everything in your house. We gonna tag it, and you got the you got thirty minutes to leave, and we take everything in your house. They don't have a gun on them. They will be cussing them, cussing them, whatever the bobbies or whatever. They be cussing them out, and them and them English police they just be standing there all calm, cool, elected, and 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 they'll stand there for hours. Let the people burn themselves out. And at the end, you know what happened? The people even either they end up calling their mama for money, their brother for money. Or doing whatever they do, they do to find that money to pay that man before he leave. Without not one bullet being fired. Or a gun being on the police officer. Can you imagine that? This police officer, y'all go on YouTube. Look at that show, Can't Pay, They Take It Away. Tell me if I'm lying. How the police, that's what these police officers, these police here, they need training. Let me tell you something. I always say we have all these veterans that comes back from the war that we that we spend millions and trillions and billions of dollars putting them through boot camp for all these years. Some of them have been in the wars. They didn't they've been in Afghanistan where they have to they have to be trained, right? They can't just shoot their gun each time they see somebody with a rag on their head or a little kid run up to them with a bomb on or something. They have they they, they have to observe, they have to think. Right. 
These people that we should be hiring when they come back in, why do our veterans that's been in war don't have jobs? They should be police officers. They're already trained how to de-escalate. De They're already trained how to observe their environment. They're already trained how to talk to people. They're over in Afghanistan, can't speak the language in Afghanistan. And they're over there with guns or Iraq or somewhere, and with guns in their hand, talking to these people who they know they want to kill them. But they just not shooting them every time they run across the street. These people, that we, we always train people. They can be police officers. You got you got military police officers get out of police officers that want to be police. But no, who do we hire police officers? We hire Captain Roy, his 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 nephew, or Captain Roy grandson, who in who in school all day he did was play Nintendo all day. He got picked on by the bullies, right? He overweight. All of a sudden, now he get a little old. He start taking Mexican supplements, <laughs> you know, the form of steroids. Get a little bigger on him. They picked on all like now you give him a, a badge with no training. And then the first thing he wanna go out and do, now he the big bully on the block. These are people that we make at police officers who oh, don't know how to talk to people because they sit around the house all day when they was younger, scared to go outside, scared to get picked on. We don't get the bully that when they was young as police officers. I'm just saying we we already we already have a trained force. People that need jobs, our veterans need jobs. They already trained on how to carry their weapons. They already trained how to de-escalate de de uh, situations in foreign environments. If you a white police officer, you come to Afghanistan and you and you patrol in a black neighborhood, you in a foreign environment. You know I talk because the last thing you know, last thing you want is smoke. You don't want to shoot nobody, and you don't want nobody to shoot you. Because you know what it's like. You've been in war. You've seen people with their head blew off. See a lot of these police officers over here, they ain't never seen nobody shot. That's why when the police shoot a gun, y'all saying, well, the police, they shot that man too many times. They shot the man too many times because they were scared. It's reflex. Pow, 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 pow. They scared. Then a, a person that's been over and be in Afghanistan, Iraq, or whatever, they've seen war, they come back here, police officers, they don't shoot like that. They know I got to conserve my bullets. I got I to gotta shoot what I see, not, not just randomly shoot. They train. We don't make the police officers. We make nervous people that just play Nintendo police officers. That's what we make police officers. But let me tell you something. When me and my buddy, we went to shot, when we shoot up, we went uh shoot our guns out in this big field. Let me tell you something. I had new respect for guns, me personally, because we was out there with a train, somebody who was trained. You know, ex-police officer, he was trained on good police safety. He was a retired police officer. So we had a good police officer out there trained us on good gun safety when we were shooting our guns. And I got to respect. Let me see. I was shooting my gun, and my gun scared me. Now, my gun was all pretty when I bought it. Oh, date. Well, I'm just, well I, I, just, I got one gun. <clears throat> uh, yeah, but it, it was pretty when I bought it. Looking at it, oh, shiny. Oh, it's cute. Oh, it's shiny. But then when I went to use it and I felt that power behind it, I'm thinking to myself, how the heck them young boys in Chicago, they were killing each other with these things. They gotta be crazy. That gun scared me. And and my little thing ain't nothing compared to them what these folks out here got. Like, man, this ain't nothing to play with. This gun ain't nothing to play with. You got to really be trained and use this thing regularly. If this thing is in your holster all the time, you're shooting it and you gotta pull it out, you're gonna be nervous because I was nervous. Every time I shot it and I stopped and my bullets, my, my clip was out 
I had to stand there for a second and get my bearings. Say, okay, one, two, three, four. Okay, pop the clip out. Get the clip out. Okay, boom. Chamber the gun. I mean, pull, pull the clip, the chamber back. Pop out. Make sure there's no bullet in the chamber. Put the gun. Lay the gun down in front of me on the table. And then step back away from it. That's good, good, good gun safety when you're shooting in a group. You just don't shoot and put the gun down. You have one in the clip, lost in the clip, and it can go off. Or, the, or in, in, in the chamber, and it can go off. Oh, I forgot one thing. Put the put the gun on safety. When you when you when you when you when you when you pull it back, when you pull the thing back and the the the, the, the gun, the bullet or something, if it's in there, pops out, put it on safety and you put it down. Good gun safety. I'm thinking I said, man, it's a whole lot, whole lot thing to this to shoot thing. Always easy when I look at the YouTube video and I see them black boys in Chicago killing each other. I thought it was easy. I thought just point the gun sideways and shoot. <laughs> or was I'm gonna give them guys in LA talking about gun. That this thing scared me. So I know, I can tell you I'm a coward. I know I'm not built to be shooting nobody. Now you take somebody like me, now nah, I'm a police officer, think I'm bad. I pull my gun out, I'm shooting your tail 18 times too. I ain't stopping. I don't know nothing about stopping, I'm scared. But if I had been a veteran in the military and learned how to train and shoot this weapon, I'd be more disciplined. That's all I'm saying. I'm defunding the police is the craziest thing I've heard in my life. We need the police. Like I tell y'all, hypothetically now, I don't want to be watching Pornhub and somebody interrupt me when I'm about to blow like Mount St. Helen. I don't need nobody interrupting me because especially if I can't say, Alexa, call the police. They bring them to my house. You see, if I can say, Alexa, call the police to bring them to my house, then when I stand up and I trip over my coffee table, I just lay on the floor. Right, like just just lay there and hope the police get there in time. Cause somebody break in, I'd be already laying on the floor with my pants half down, and they be they start laughing. Oh, look at this fool! Right, they laughing at me while the police on their way. But if I ain't got no police now, nah, I know I ain't got no police. I got to jump up for my interruption of doing my experiment or my I, not my, I, I, when I look at for I'll be doing my investigation, my research. I got to jump up in here. And I got to go find my butcher knife and gun with my with my pants, my underwear down on my ankle. Cause I ain't got time to pull them up because I'm not bringing them to my house. Hey, y'all come out defund the police. Man, I don't want the police to go nowhere. I love the police. I sure do. When the people pull me, if I get pulled over by I get pulled over by police, I say, yes, sir, no, sir. Because my goal is to go home. I don't know what this man just is saying. This police officer could could could, could be coming from a crime somewhere where he just seen a baby with their head bashed in. Now he pulling me over and I'm giving him all kind of smack. What you pulling me over for? And, he, and inside of there, he just seen this baby all killed and everything, blood here everywhere. And now he's dealing with my, 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 my idiot butt. What you pulling me over for? No, I'm going to take my ticket. You're going to give me a ticket. I'm going to be polite to him and I'm going home. Now, I heard the white people, well, uh, white people talk to police officers any kind of way they want to. I don't care how the way white folks talk to police when they get pulled over. I don't care. I live inside my body. There's a gene pool inside of me that I want to keep alive a little while longer. So I don't care how white folks talk to police officers when they pull them over. I know how I talk to them and how I train my nephew to talk to them. You be polite to them people. Your mission is to go home. Don't be listening to all what these people out here and say, oh, hell, the police. Because you know what? The main people who be talking about the police are the main ones who be trying to call the police when, when something happens. 
And now, if y'all want to talk about defunding police, I'm going to give y'all one last little talk here, a little one little scenario on defund the police before I go. Now, defund the police, I think it should be a district vote. In your little city, your little town, it should be a district vote. Any district that wants to defund the police, there would be no policing in that district. Okay? You can go back to the Wild Wild West. Right? Don't call the police because we don't service your district. That means if it takes uh, $5 million a year to patrol that district, right? You can take that $5,000 that you will pay to patrol that district, reallocate it somewhere else. Now, y'all know when they reallocate money, it means reallocate money to some politician pocket. Hopefully, I could be in office then where it can come to my pocket. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, you want to defund the police? Let's take it by district. Because see what I'm saying? Where I live here, I live in a nice little community, right? I want the police to call, to come when I call. I want them to come. I don't want them to be thinking about, well, they defunded us. We're going to sit there and have another donut. No, I want them to come to my district. Because that shows them the district who want us and the districts who don't want us. So if y'all want to defund the police, y'all just vote to defund the police in y'all district or y'all community. The folks in y'all little city or town who love the police and want the police to, to come when they call them, right? We'll just reallocate y'all money and we'll just build up our little police force. Hopefully we can hire some veterans. <laughs> All right, now y'all take up enough of y'all time here. <laughs> <laughs> I took enough of y'all time. But look here, before I get out of here, let me tell you something again. I show sure enjoyed this fat bottom Betty Cordido. This was a good stick. It was a really good stick here. And let me tell you something. It was surprising. I didn't know what it made by Drew Estate. I got to give Drew Estate props on this little stick here. And I'm going to be buying some more of these from my humidor because I, I can overemphasize. I really enjoyed it. Now, look here, before I get out of here, like I tell y'all all the time, y'all visit y'all local cigar spot, support your local cigar spot first. We want to keep our local cigar spots in business. The small businessmen or the business folks in our community, not Walmart, not Walmart, the local businessmen in our community. I went in Walmart, they said cigars in Walmart. How do you sell them cigars in Walmart? I went in the public. Public, public got a liquor store next to the big public store. They got, they got cigars in there. Who, how you? Cigars are social. Cigars is something you sit down by yourself. You do some figuring in your head. Cigars is something you sit down with your fellas and y'all talk about some things. Cigars is something that you ride in your car with and you just you have you a good little stick and you, you driving thinking about a whole lot of thinking about. Cigar ain't nothing that you walk into no public store and buy no cigar or walk into Walmart buy no cigar. Public is cigar is something that you go down to Corona down there and have your cigar. Something you go down to my little spot. Don't I do look? Oh, first of all, I don't want all y'all coming to my little spot down in Roz. I don't want y'all coming down there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I won't be dealing with all you fools. <laughs> but y'all gotta play where y'all go have y'all little cigars at, okay? And, and enjoy it. Keep the local businesses going. Now, if you want to build up your humidor, like I tell y'all all the times, go online, like I'm looking at JR Cigars right there, CI, or hold somebody, somebody like that, and get y'all some bundles or some boats to fill up your humidor at home. In case a zombie apocalypse happens, you, you have plenty of cigars to smoke on, right? Hopefully, you got your bone arrow or enough bullets to protect yourself. 
Seems to be like a turkey shoot. Funky cigars with a turkey shoot shooting these zombies. <laughs> Especially if you don't have no police. Police. If you don't have no. If you defund the police in your community, because you're gonna be doing a whole lot of defending your home and your family without police. All right. Now look here. Like I tell y'all all the time when I get out of here, y'all take care of everybody out there, and more importantly, y'all take care of yourself first. All right now.